to all my heavy hitters and lockdown defenders. Welcome to Sports Talk with Coach and Kirk, episode 53. We are back in the building each and every Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, dual casting on YouTube and Twitch. Twitch.tv forward slash Lockdown Divas Sports. Lockdown Divas Podcast on YouTube if you're out there listening. We are back in the building, man, off a two-week hiatus. Coach Kurt, what's happening over there, brother? Happy birthday to you. I want to give a quick shout-out to my guy, my man. He aged another year, but got another year greater, as we all know. If you haven't been paying attention to my social media, I gave him a quick shout-out this week. So we're going to wish him a happy birthday on podcast this week. Uh, yes, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Appreciate you uh, holding us down for the last past year and holding me down for the past 10. Appreciate yes, you, brother, as always, man. Appreciate you giving your flowers where you can't smell them, brother. Appreciate, appreciate everybody, everything you've done for me up until now and will do in the future, man. Yes, sir. Yes, yes indeed. Sir. Yes, Let's indeed. Get it going, man. Let's get it going. And I didn't get arrested. I stayed out of jail. There you go. That's there there you go. That's you, most important. That is important. That is important. Every yes. day that you every day that you accomplish that is a day, is a congratulatory day. Hey, it's yep. a moment in black history. There it is. Moment there it in is. black history. Yeah, there man. Yeah, man. We back, man. Yeah. How you feeling? How I'm, you feeling? I'm good, man. I'm good. West of them ready to go, man. I couldn't wait to get back on the mic today, man. I was I was I was yeah. amped up. I was bopping like Brock Lesnar in, in, on the top of the top <laughs> mat, ready for a match. You know what I mean? I was ready to go. Ready to go. I walked in this joint with the billionaire walk, like uh, like Conor McGregor, Vince like McMahon, Conor uh. McGregor. Yeah, I, I dig it. I'm with it. I'm with it. Let's go. Let's, Let's go, man. It, man. As Let's always, man, it. we're going to start off as we've done 52 episodes now, or now at 53. We're going to start yeah. with our our normal segment of reaction, uh, NBA news and rumors. Uh, it's been a lot going on the past couple of weeks we hadn't discussed uh, since we've been off the airways. Um, the All-Star weekend happened, and uh, we're back into playing basketball now. So uh, the Nets and Bucks are actually battling out right now in Milwaukee. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, we want to recap the All-Star game. We're going to get into our second-half predictions and our and our uh uh, takes on what we're going to think is going to happen in the second half of the season. And we're going to talk James Harden and Ben Simmons as well. So um, let's get into it. So the All-Star game uh, came and went, and um, certain parts of the weekend, I guess you can say, were met, were met with lukewarm responses. Some were actually met with a lot of praise. So um, overall, from uh, top to bottom, I guess you can leading from Friday to Sunday, what was your overall take from the weekend, and what did you enjoy and what you didn't? So I think uh, I'm in unison with everyone. I didn't enjoy the the dunk contest, right? And and Mm -hmm. I I really, at this point, it's not about the big names to me. Mm -hmm. You know, is you know, I do people. I do know people were like, "Oh, where's Ja?" Right? Right. Um, You know, Giannis Mm -hmm. and things like that. And of course, everybody for probably 15 years always wanted LeBron um to you know make an appearance but i don't i don't that's not as big to me as just um the creativity of a good dunk contest dunk mm-hmm. contest is like the home run is like the bomb in football um you know regardless of the all-star weekend that's really what people come to see right and it's been a struggle because i mean how, how many times can you do a windmill dunk how many times can you really do certain dunks and 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 since 2016 uh that was probably one of the last dunk contests that really just had people you know uh out of their seats and just talking about it the next day Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. so i would like to see and this is my personal opinion there's a lot of videos when you look on social media of people doing some amazing dunks just the regular basketball aficionado uh lover of the game 
with hops doing some great dunks out there, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, look, in the day's time of social media, in the day's time of making someone go viral, 15 minutes of fame, why not reach out to those 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 people doing amazing in the dunk, you know, just normal dunks and reach out to them and say, hey, look, we love to give you the opportunity on uh, All-Star Weekend to come out and and do the dunks that you've been going viral with because mm-hmm. I think they are really still creative, right? And they're still hungry. And here's the thing. I would like to see it tested a year because guess what? It allows all the NBA players to just be fans. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have to think about their their health. Right. They don't have to think about the, the pressure of, oh, if I miss a dunk, that's one of the things that, you know, I didn't really like is like when you do a dunk three, four, five times, it's like, mm-hmm. All right, what are we doing? Right. Just let the let the NBA players enjoy it, cheer on just these street ballers who would love to get an opportunity, you know, get a couple bands in their pocket, mm-hmm. get 15 minutes of fame, and just let people see what they're seeing on um social media anyway, right? And that would be to me, that would bring back some of the flair and love mm-hmm. of the game. The, the three-point contest was a little shocking uh, to see who very. came out as the winner. Uh, yeah, very shocking to me. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember the last time we've seen a big man. I don't think we uh, ever saw one. I don't think I don't think anybody that's been a, a traditional, like, power forward center type person has ever won it. I don't ever call that. It's always yes, been a guard yeah. for me. Yeah, I yeah, mean, you, so you've, had, you've had some tall tall shooters. Like, I right, think Dirk, right. Dirk was in it a couple of times and things of that nature. But you don't ever classify Dirk as, like a, as, a, as a post player. You know, exactly. You know, you so, never consider him a true center, even right. though he was seven, seven foot. Right. He, you know, he was, he, he, a tall, was a, he was a wing. Forward. He was a wing. Yeah. Yeah. He was a wing player. Yeah. So yeah. yeah so I, outside I of that, man, um, hmm. the All Star game was surprisingly uh, outside of the first quarter. Three uh, quarters of it was pretty good. You yeah. know, um, mm-hmm. when I saw the lineup, I was like, oh man, Team LeBron, oh they just stacked and going to run away with it. When I saw that, but Team Durant. They actually made it super competitive, and it came down to the last three-point shot. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, like you asked, I think the All-Star game was pretty good, unlike the NFL. Right. Uh, the NFL you know, NFL, I agree with Matt Forte. It, what what the hell are people paying for? Just a, a walkthrough oh of ads? Oh, my God. It's, it's so you know? bad. It's so it's, it's horrible at this it's, point. It really is. Like, like you, could take, you could take the dunk contest from this year in the Pro Bowl period and just put that in the trash. And you put them together, and they still half a show. There you go. I still want to watch. You know, like I still want to watch it. Yeah, it's, I still want to watch it. But yeah, I think the uh, the three point contest was kind of like you know when Steph, when I saw Steph Curry wasn't the, the normal big guns weren't in it. I was uh, like, uh, okay, right. The dunk contest completely a wash, but the All Star game uh, made up for it overall. Um, I think it's just going to get more and more difficult uh, to figure out what to do. I mean, of course, people are coming in town, mm-hmm. showing up because they want to see an all-star uh, experience. But really, you know, the players now are kind of like iffy about it. Uh, of course, a lot of them are thinking about, oh, you know, this is an all-star game. It's a long season. Do I mm-hmm. want to play? But, you know, whatever. So um, I know both leagues are always tinkering and tweaking to see what will happen and what will work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, all the dunk contest. I give it a negative three. The uh, three-point contest, I give it a five. But the All-Star game made up for it, and I give it a 
I give it a nine just to see, you know, uh, Trey Young throwing alley oops to Ja. That was amazing. That, that was, was worth that was all the money right it, there. It, you it know really what I'm saying? Yeah, that athletic ability, but then seeing Steph Curry go for the record. Oh my God, um, sixteen that, threes. That shooting performance. Oh, like, yeah, oh man. Lord. Yeah, yeah. So, what's your thoughts? What was your thoughts on on watching All Star Weekend? Um, from top to bottom, I, I mean, I have to give the NBA credit. I think they they are definitely, uh, like you said, always tweaking things and definitely doing uh what they doing their best to make things interesting and keep it entertaining. Now, mm-hmm. I will say, I mean, it is a long weekend, so you got the Rising Stars Challenge and the Celebrity Game on Friday. You got the Skills Competition and Three Point Contest and Dunk Contest on Saturday, and the All Star Game on Sunday. So, right. overall, um, you know, if I had to do a, like a start, bench, and cut, I would I would start the All Star Game, I would bench okay. the Skills Competition, and I'll cut the Dunk Contest, and it, it, mm. and this is why, uh, the, you know, starting from the the Skills Competition, you know, I, I think that um, this it's gotten to I think they're trying too hard with that. I think the yeah. the, 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 yeah. the initial uh, when they initially had the, I mean, I guess they want to kind of keep it fresh and don't want it the same thing every year. But it, mm-hmm. it's getting it's getting too it's getting too crazy and too commercial for me. Um, right. You know that particular aspect of it. I think they need to keep it basic and um, mm-hmm. and let it be what it is. You know, I, I don't think that anybody was truly checking for that to be like a world beating event. Um, so right. I would have left it where it was. I wouldn't change the format too much. I think that's what kind of turned me off to it a little bit. Um, okay. The dunk contest, like you said, it, it was definitely lackluster. Um, the idea of having like an and one type of deal, like you mentioned, uh, like you know how the and one mixtape guys would do a dunk contest, yeah, and, yeah something like that. That's not a bad idea. Um, yeah. Or or maybe do like a collaboration between players and and, and street ballers. You know, that's, uh, I like that. Have the NBA players on one hand, just yeah. like the team LeBron, team Durant, right? Yeah, yeah maybe yeah. have two yeah. two dunkers and they pick the and one guys, right. or you have an NBA squad. In an N one squad, street ball teams, mm-hmm. and they go against each other. I like that. Right. I like or, that. or I mean, if you want to just just take the guys, street ball guys underneath your wing, you could like mm-hmm. ha- you could sponsor. Like say, like Jalen Green was to sponsor a street ball kid. You know, mm-hmm. they would they'll be a tandem. Okay. They'll be a team, and they would they would yeah. trade. They would they would they, you would judge them based upon the team dunk. You know, be team Jalen Green. So he would want the street ball guy would do a dunk, and Jalen would do a dunk, and you would give them a score based upon their combination. I mean, it's a bunch of things you could do. You know, to right. make it to to bring it back, because I mean, you know, I think that you know, I guess you can say the the core the core events like the three point contest, the dunk contest, and the all star game. I would say that you know, it's almost like a rite of passage. You right. know, you you know, if you people have gotten you know your your Dominique Wilkins, your Michael Jordan, your Kobe Bryant's, you know, they uh-huh. all they all got their names on the map winning dunk contests. So it, yeah. it's it's a rite of passage. So I don't think you should do away with it, but I do think the the imagination. And the lack of in, in, you know inventiveness when it comes down to your dunk, their dunks because so many dunks mm-hmm. have, amazing dunks have been done by now you know these yep. people the the idea the creativity is gone in my opinion it kind of it kind of makes it boring so again if you add that aspect of the you know street ballers or something like that you know to tweak it and make it more interesting then I would bring that into focus and maybe that'll bring back the the luster of the of the contest but. Mm-hmm. Uh, the three point contest kind of kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit too because it used to, I thought there used to be more rounds in the past. I think they shortened it for a reason I, that I don't know what reason they shortened it for. Right. Um. So I, I think they should have three rounds. You know because you know you think like think about it like this if they if you you don't have a, your best shooting you have a decent shooting but not your best shooting uh round in round one you're automatically eliminated. You know, right, right. But if you have an amazing second and third round, you can end up winning. And I think that's how it's been in the past. And they shortened it mm-hmm. to like two rounds. So that aspect of it, like whoever gets hot in that one particular 
uh, set of circumstances were ultimately go going forward. And I think that to be truly honest, if they had three rounds, I don't think Cat would have won it. I really don't mm. think so. I think I think somebody yeah. else would have won it. You know, Trey Young or somebody like that. Um, right. You know, would have won it, but. You know, because he had a hot first round and then he did decent in the second round is the reason yeah. why he ended up winning it. So, you know, I think that that particular aspect of it is, what, is my slight critique on it. Um, okay. Skills competition, like I said, the format, eh, I think to change the format, I think it had gotten a little too busy with that need to go back to the basics. Um, but Didn't they used to have the um, men and women yeah. together? Yeah, they used to do that. Yeah, they used to do yeah. WNBA players and the, and yeah. the men, like, like, like say, I think when Chris Paul played for the uh, Clippers, I think him and like yeah. a lady from the Sparks would, would uh -huh. do it together. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's so again they don't change the format. I think they got a little too crazy with that. But um, so if I had to rate everything from top to bottom, I would say I gave the Rising Star Challenge a game of eight. The celebrity okay. game would give it a seven. That was funny. It was funny more the more so <laughs> than more so than you know actual basketball. You know, competitive basketball right. skills competition. I give it a four. I, okay. I, yeah, I didn't really like that too tough. The three-point contest, I give it a six. Like I said, I think they didn't have enough rounds. Um, the dunk contest, I give it a minus two, like much like you did. <laughs> and the All-Star game, like you, I give it a nine. I definitely That was okay. my ratings over top to bottom. So, I, I mean, I enjoyed it. It was a good time off for the players, you know, get rested yep. and come back fresh for the second half of the season. So, yeah, I think that, um, you know, overall, it was a pretty good weekend. Again, it's way more of a, a, an event, you know, and especially with this uh, 75th anniversary and that aspect of it really added to it. I think that's yeah. a good, it took it to another level. Having the yeah. uh, 75 best players on the court at halftime, that was great. I did appreciate that, that part. That was. And the fact that Michael Jordan still get the biggest pop in Cleveland, you know, he's uh, been right? he's been out the league for 20 years. It's yeah. crazy to me. It's crazy. So, uh, yeah. So, definitely uh, definitely a good event. And I think the NFL should take notice and how they can do something to maybe incentivize. And I think we talked about this in the previous podcast that, mm -hmm. you know, how they, somehow they can, you know, increase the, you know, fanfare or the luster of the Pro Bowl by tweaking the uh, circumstances or make it competitive like the NBA does. You know, because they're, yeah. they're playing for money in the first three quarters. And then mm -hmm. the fourth quarter is winning time. Like, you, you know, yeah. you know, I think they get a little bit. If you win, you get more money. You know, you then you know. So you, they're playing for charity, and then they play for themselves in the end. So that's always makes it ultra competitive at the end. So, yeah, 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 yeah. I totally agree with all that, and I really like that new uh, change in format to uh, the dunk contest. I really mm -hmm. think they should look into that, and I'm surprised that no one has really considered doing that adjustment, right, and yeah. bringing in that street ball, um, the street ball and one type of uh vibe because i i really think that would take off right to see that energy i even mm -hmm. would think you know bringing in the announcer to do the all-star oh yeah because yeah. or just even dunk contest. that vibe right? yeah let them just let them do dunk contest if nothing else i mean you definitely yeah. that's something that they could do and again that that gives people you know that gives people exposure you know you might even get get you a look as far as being a a fringe college player that's trying to get on you know, mm -hmm. you might give them, you know, some exposure and let them know that maybe somebody want to take a chance on them, give them a G League contract or something like that. It's it's, it's a win for everybody, in my opinion. And yeah. Again, you and yeah. you bring back the duck contest in this in its uh in its fanfare. So yeah, yeah, I'm definitely here for that. Definitely here yeah, for that. Yeah, you can thank us later, uh, NBA. Well, we want our royalties. You, if you implement it, we want our royalties. The, the exactly. Lockdown Divas exactly. podcast needs their royalties ASAP, ASAP, ASAP. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. All right, so yeah, we are now into the second half of the season. Uh, games kick back off on Thursday. Um, we had some games on Thursday, a bunch of games on Friday, and we had some a bunch of games today. 
So um, so leaning into the uh, idea of the second half of the season going into April when the NBA playoffs will actually start, Mm -hmm. I want to get your take on exactly what's your uh, predictions and your hot takes for the second half of the season. Because I got a few, but I'm going to let you jump it off here and and tell us what you feel like the second half of basketball is going to bring with all this movement that happened before the trade deadline, along with people getting healthy. So what do you feel like the next second half is going to bring us from an NBA perspective? Because our coverage is going to largely be NBA for the next few months because the NFL is gone. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'll start with the Eastern Conference. Um, I think that the one thing that we're going to see, and I'm going to, I'm going to back up what you stated, was Cleveland dropping mm-hmm. um, and the Nets making a strong push, especially uh, – if the the mandate is dropped in New York uh-huh. and Kyrie can play full time mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. in the Eastern, I think I think the top two are pretty much going to stay the the what well, the top three are going to stay the same. Cleveland's I, I feel like is going to continue dropping, and I think the Nets are going to make a strong push uh, to probably get up around that fifth uh, seed. I don't think they're going to overtake the Bucks, and I don't think they'll overtake the Sixers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the top. Matter of fact, the top four kind of stay the same on the Eastern Conference. On the Western Conference, I think the Suns are going to go through a little low, a low with Chris uh, Paul now having that finger injury. Um, okay. And I think the Grizzlies, man, I'm I'm going to say I feel like the Grizzlies going to end up holding the number one seed. Really. Uh, for for a little while, you right. I don't think they walk into the playoffs with a number one seed. Okay, but I think that they're they're going to get up there and uh, make a strong push and make a lot of people nervous. Mm. And this will be the first time uh, in many years that uh, LeBron doesn't make the playoffs. Wow, wow! You know, you <laughs> I, I feel like you you uh, you be you be. Uh... You hacked my computer Looking before. Over yeah, basically, yeah. You hacked my computer. <laughs> Look at my takes before I did it. Because some of the some of what I got to drop is definitely involved revolving around that. But right. um, I'm but you can thank me for the Grizzlies take because I told you early on before before everybody jumped on the bandwagon. I had to give you credit on that one. Yeah, I told you that Grizzlies team is something some serious. I've been watching yeah. them closely. So I would say this: that first and foremost, I think the injury is going to play a big part in the seedings when it comes down to both conferences. I already do. Um. Uh, Draymond's injury for the West, I think that's going to play big for the Warriors and how they uh, settle uh, as far as seating is concerned. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I give you credit for that take. I think that I undervalue Draymond's uh, contribution to this team. Um, you know, he is practicing. He practiced for the first time today, but he's still right. a two or three weeks at least away from playing. So mm-hmm. that will lead him into late March. So he probably will play no more than 15, 20 games if he come back early. Um, yep. So that's going to play into what, how well the Warriors uh, settle in the West. Um, uh, Brooke Lopez's injury for the Bucks, I think that's key. Nobody's really paying attention to that. Yep. And I think that yep. that aids in their defensive uh, prowess when it comes down to the champions' uh, uh, defensive side of the uh, basketball. So I think Brooke Lopez's mm-hmm. injury was it speaks volumes. And I think if you if you fold him back in with Serge Ibaka being there now, I think that team is definitely going to make a run, uh, but it just depends on how quickly he can return because he's been out for quite some time. Uh, mm-hmm. this, the Chris Paul injury, I think that's going to play large into it. You know, but I, I, I like the idea because I like the idea that they will probably won't uh, drop too much in the standings because I really feel like this team is really built, 
you know, to sustain their success without Chris Paul. Because I think that uh, the backup point guards for this team, they they kind of been molded in the image of Chris Paul. So right. when when he's off the floor, even when he is playing, I feel like they don't. They, it's not a it's not a real big uh, production drop. So I think right. that uh, you know campaign and a few other people that's going to fill in for Chris Paul is in his role. I think they're going to ultimately do fine. I, I think they don't they don't lose too much. I think they still okay. build with, build with the right stuff. Um, now, is can- um real quick is that point guard that made a lot of buzz a couple uh, what was that last season or season before last? Mm-hmm. Is he the one starting for Chris Paul now? Well, it would probably, most likely be campaign, and I think we're seeing him and Kel Bridges. I think they're going to probably be the ones that fill in for Chris Paul. Uh, I would okay. I would assume that it would just be a, a, a kind of a switch where they would probably start campaign and they probably bring Bridges off the bench and he let them run with the second unit now more gotcha. so. Um, so that probably would be the move. Um, you know, of course, there's a few other people will probably uh, play more significant minutes with Chris Paul being out because the injury, the, the timeline for his injury is going to probably be around the playoffs. Yeah, um, that he's going to yep. come back. Okay. So I mean, they, but I think they're going to hold it, hold it together. I think they're built with the right stuff. I'm not too Got much it. worried about them. I mean, I think that we can probably talk between one and two. I mean, because they got a pretty good lead over the Warriors when it comes down to the number one seed right now. So yeah, I six think game, uh, six game lead. Right now, I don't, I don't think they're going to drop six games. I mean, the Warriors still got. No. they're still trying to build back. So I think they don't. They're not going to drop six games in that time frame. They're enough left for the Warriors or the Grizzlies to catch up. So mm-hmm. I think they'll be fine. I think they got enough okay. of a lead that they, they, they can absorb that. Now, the, the, the other telling one to me is KD and Ben Simmons. Like, you know, they mm. KD coming back and coming back strong. Um, you know, you lose to Kyrie potentially being uh, able to play full time, which will help them um, as well. And then we don't, we just don't know what's going to happen with Ben Simmons. We're going to talk about him in a minute, but right. we just don't know exactly what's going to be happening because uh, it got reported today that he is uh, facing back uh, tightness with his rehab. So, you know, we just don't know if and when he's ever going to play. So I mean, again, if they he doesn't play and Kyrie and KD are playing, that still is a that still is is a is is hurting their chances to be a, a high seed. So I think yeah. they'll still make the playoffs. Yeah. Obviously, I think they'll still make the top six. But I don't. It's just a question of where in six they're going to finish. Yeah, because they right now they're only two games above five hundred right now. So if you look at it, right. So I mean, and KD's probably like a week or two away from returning, and Kyrie probably two weeks away from knowing whether or not they're going to release the mandate. Yeah. So, you know, we got to, I mean, that's that's at least three or four, maybe five or six games, depending on what the schedule lays out of, of games that are all not going to be on the floor together. Right, so, right, right. But I would say that that, that injuries play a big part in, in, in getting healthy in those top teams. And um, and I, and leading into the Nets, I think they're, they're, they're going to end up imploding. I don't, it doesn't even matter mm. to me whether or not uh, Ben Simmons or Kyrie plays. I think this particular instance in this particular team way it's currently constructed is a ticking time ball. I really do. I really do. And I'll explain it more so when I talk about Ben Simmons and his uh, role in this team, but I think the Nets are a ticking time bomb. That's my hot take. Um, okay. Again, a ticking time bomb. Ticking okay. time bomb. Okay. So I, I think that they're going to implode at some point. It's just a question of not if, but when. That's my take on that. Um, right. I, and leaning into what you said, the Lakers are not going to make the playoffs. Um, and, I, and it's largely going to be due to the fact that by the time Anthony Davis is able to play, LeBron James is going to be burnt out. And we just I'm, trying, I'm praying that he does not get hurt again because I think this issue is his usage is causing him to get, is is attain these injuries. You know, because he's been hurt in the last three seasons, he's been hurt on and off again. Um, you know, I think it's been because he's been having to do too much. You know, so you know, I mean, he gets to playing at a high level at his age. However, right, you right. know, he's still I mean, he's still 37 years old. You know, so. <laughs> 
So it's not we're not we're not sitting here and acting like you know he he, he can play heavy minutes like he's twenty one anymore and still put True. up thirty and, and ten a night, you know True. every night he can do it. You know if he had to give him five games, I say he'd do it three out of five. You know, and okay. that's healthy. Okay. That's healthy for his age. So that being said, I right. think that Lakers don't make the playoffs. I don't even think they make the playing game. Um, and, and, and again, you, if you, you really don't even want to do that because your reward for winning the playing game is getting the sons of the Warriors and who wants to see that and who wants to see that. So yeah. it's almost better to not, uh, to not have to do the play in game and stay out because yeah, right. again, uh, you get the play in game, you win. And you get, I don't think you beat any of those teams oh, no. in seven. No, 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 not happening. <laughs> not happening. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think Ben Simmons and Anthony Davis both uh, uh, both are made up of the same DNA material, the genetic material, right? right. When it but comes to health, both right. of them soft. Both of them as soft as baby bananas. <laughs> <laughs> the whole glass jar, baby bananas. Five right? day old, five day old baby. Bananas. <laughs> five, five day old baby bananas. They soft as both of them. You know, <laughs> the, the look of LeBron's face. When he saw uh, AD hit the ground, uh-huh. was, it, it was literally like, "Gosh, damn it, this again!" Yeah, just you know what? Yeah. I'm just done. I'm yeah. just done. I'm just done. Just yeah, wheel I, him off. Wheel yeah, him off. Right. <laughs> <laughs> get him out of here. Right. Yeah, get him out of I here. I know that's your boy, but I, I tell you that you can't. You know, it's it's one of those things where you can. I'm, I'm gonna talk more, more about this in my podcast, so I'm not gonna spoil it. But you know, you have to. And I said this actually a couple of weeks ago, but. You, you, it's one of those things where you, you know, you always can't. The best thing for you sometimes is not to work with your friends. That, that's where I want to lay it at, you know, because that's just really where he is at this point. AD is his friend and his partner with Clutch Sports. You know, Russell Westbrook is his friend and he wanted to play with his friends and it's just not working. Same thing with KD. You playing with your friends is just not working. You know, it's just sometimes you just can't work with your friends. You can hang out with them, but you can't work with them. So. I like what you said there. I like what you said there. Yeah. See, you're talking dirty on a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> talking dirty at the dog. Shout out to Martin Lawrence. There it is. Yeah. There it is. And my last take is that with James Harden added to the 76ers, John Morant will win the MVP. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's 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 unwrap that a little bit. Tell, tell me why. So hold on. Let me make sure I heard this right. Mm-hmm. You're saying. With James Harden now uh-huh. added to the Sixers, correct. This opens the door for John Morant to win MVP. Yep. Oh, give it to the people then. Absolutely. Give it to the people what you what you see. What you so, give, give me your analysis. So Embiid's production and his his numbers have been largely due to the fact that he's been a one and only option on his team. Okay. So with James Harden playing full time now, his numbers are, are going to have to mathematically go down. So, okay. so his his okay. his production and his in his level of effort is going to be decreased. So, okay. so I, that's going to automatically, you know, basically give the nod with John Moran. His production is going to it's been what it was all year, and it's been what it is all year. He has his numbers hadn't wavered. So, and he's not getting any players on or off his team that's just dropping his numbers down. And let's be honest, you take John Moran off that Grizzlies team, that team's a whole different team. You know, when it comes down to being valuable, you know, air quote valuable for your team. So if you if if and if your prediction is correct, he wins the number one seed based upon injury, and they uh he's basically putting up equal to more numbers points per game than than Embiid at the, at the time that they finished the season. Assuming Embiid can stay healthy and don't miss games 
automatically just by just by osmosis you uh john Morant should win mvp in my opinion so okay, okay. so I, that, that's my take on why john Morant will win mvp and i called this when i broke down the grizzlies in uh in december in my podcast that i told you that was my dark horse for mvp and it seems to be coming to fruition more and more daily because like i said mb's numbers are going to drop and 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 Morant's going to stay his stay his course with his production if they send in the standings further, like you predicted, it's, it's going to be it's going to be easy win for a job to win MVP. I like it. I can't I can't argue against it because you make you make great sense. If now with Ben uh, Simmons gone, uh-huh. Harden surprises surprisingly, even though they you know um, they say that he's primary uh, primary basketball. Uh, Dominant, needing meaning he needs the basketball a yep. lot. Uh-huh. Ball dominant, yep. Mm-hmm. Ball dom- He's actually, you know, he had um, his last one, his last year in Houston mm-hmm. or the year before that. He actually has shown that he can change his game, yep. alter his game, mm-hmm. become dominant in a traditional point guard role. Of course, he's going to score, right. but his assists went up. He was averaging triple, you know, a couple triple doubles. He had. Mm-hmm. Um, but with him there now, and like uh, what you were saying, with the addition of Harden mm-hmm. and Embiid no longer having to carry the bulk of the load, and now they can share it, mm-hmm. then that means that the production goes down a little bit, mm-hmm. and you see the value of John Morant even more. And you saw that last year a couple times when he got injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Grizzlies, with and without Ja. Two totally different teams Absolutely. all the way around. Absolutely. So if you're going to go into traditional system value, I would say because again, if you have James Harden on your team, that kind of you know kind of pushes your uh, a value you know down a bit. It takes it down a notch. Mm-hmm. It it shoots yep. you down a peg when it comes down to your value of the team and understand mm-hmm. that your your success is going to be predicated on both your success, both your productions, not just one guy. And again, right. you know, unless you are true basketball purists. You know, outside of John Morant, you who can name another person on the Grizzlies team? You know, again, if you're a casual fan, you don't know anybody else that's on a Grizzlies team right off without Googling it. So so that that right there tells you right there John Morant is, is ultraly important to the team. And again, if they get they're the three seed now, and I feel like even at the three seed, this team is overachieving. So at this point, nobody expected them to be this high. So I right. think that even if they stay at the three seed, he has a good shot at it. If they get any higher than that, then it, it should be automatic automatic in my book. He should win the okay. MVP. Okay. All right. Hey, right there. Yeah. So uh, let's shift over to uh, talk about this trade that happened though, right before the All-Star break that James Harden uh, went to the 76ers for. Uh, I think they actually packaged Harden and Millsap together, who wasn't playing for mm-hmm. the Nets currently, uh, for Ben Simmons, two, dra- two first-round picks, and Seth Curry uh, over yep. to the Nets. So um, I guess you can say uh, we can discuss in uh, in short order what do we think about their fits and how they fit with each team and what we think who we think won the trade uh, short and long term. I, I think short and long term, without a doubt, it's the 76ers. Oh, I agree with that, hundred percent. I was just I was going to see if you I was going to see if you would have a different take than I did long term because everybody's nope. harping on these draft picks. It didn't look like like this. the draft picks are going to be going not going to be lottery picks because the 76ers is going to be a winning team. For the foreseeable future. So you're looking at it like they're probably going to be mid to lower uh, first round picks, um, you know, from jump. Like just if that's your starting point. Your jumping all point is 
the middle first round. So that's not going to be right. a lottery pick player, number one. Uh, right. Two, um, the success of the 76ers, to me in large, is going to be better in the next couple of years than this, the Nets are going to have. Because like I said, my earlier take, it's a ticking time bomb to me. Ben's yeah. issues, uh, Kyrie's aloofness, and, and KD's health, it is becoming an issue now. So I just I just don't think they're built with the right stuff um, character-wise. That's going to be a lasting uh, uh, franchise or lasting team, rather, that will be able to sustain enough success to be able to compete for a title. Not when when you have teams like the Heat getting better, the Cavs getting better, the Bucks are right there. They're there, you know, they're like Ric Flair said, to be the man, you got to be the man. Mm-hmm. You know, and Giannis on the Cooper Wayne, it's not getting worse. He's getting better. <laughs> so if, if anybody's yeah. paying attention, he's not getting worse. He's getting better. Uh, so that you have to deal with that monster. So I think that Seven Sisters are more equipped right now to compete with the Bucks in the Heat than the Nets are. Because again, you got too many question marks when it comes down to the Heat. I really don't think they're going to be able to sustain any level of success. And who knows? I mean, because Kyrie has the same player option that Harden does. So who's to say that he's even there next year? Right. So right. You have to look at it that from that aspect too. Now I do believe he skated because I think that um, this whole you know not playing at all to playing halfway games now. He's lucky enough that the NYC got a new mayor and he's listening to the science of the mandates and deciding that this rule was kind of, you know, too restrictive and decided to relieve it hopefully in the next couple of weeks. But at this point, you know, still you gotta, you, you should be able to get on the court um, full time and, and you still need time to gel with your team. That's another yeah. aspect of it too, you know, because Katie's got to come back. Simmons got to come back whenever that is. And then Kyrie's got to come into the fold and they all got to play together. You know, yeah. this is similar to what we was looking at last April when we talked about uh, the, the Harden, KD, and Kyrie who had played eight games together, you know, in his entire season. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're looking mm-hmm. at it from that perspective. So chemistry matters, man. And I just don't think they're going to have enough time to build enough chemistry to to combat what the Heat, the Bulls, the the Bucks, or the Celtics is going to bring them in the playoffs. Yeah, and, and I, I definitely think uh, why – I picked the uh, 76ers for this is because, okay, let's, let's go to next two uh, first round picks, right? Mm -hmm. No matter who you pick, no player is going to be at the place that James Harden is right now. Right now. Agreed. Agreed. Right. So the, those two first round picks and seeing if we predicting this, seeing where the 76ers should fall, uh-huh. those picks are a wash because they're good. Like you said, they're going to be very lower in first round picks. Mm-hmm. Yes. People are going to watch the next years and who they pick. But again, if you forecast it out, there's no right now player that is projected with those picks that will be as dominant as James Harden with Embiid in the next two years with the first round picks. Mm-hmm. Um, he makes up for Seth Curry being gone and Seth Curry, you know, Seth Curry definitely didn't get traded because he wasn't balling. Uh-huh. It was just a needed person right. to, to sweeten the pot. Right, the balance, the, balance, the, the balance the deal, yeah. yeah. The, the balance the deal. Mm-hmm. But when you look at when you look at James Harden now having this type of big man, I can't recall James Harden when he was, when he was the main focus, having a big man of Embiid's stature 
and talent playing oh, with him. He's never had that. Never. He's never had that, right? Never so had you look that. at you look at the outside game of Harden. Uh-huh. You look at the inside game of, of Embiid, and then you look at what them on paper in theory can do together. And then looking at Simmons, um, one thing that we've never said, I can never say about Harden. Petty, yes. Um, checking out when he feels slighted, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. But ever saying that he doesn't have a killer instinct, one of the most unguardable players, you couldn't say that at all. But now when you look at Ben Simmons, and I'm saying this, uh, if Ben Simmons stays who he is, it actually works for the Nets in theory, but it hurts them because Kyrie nor KD can be injured. No. Because if no. that production goes away, you're not getting that with Ben Simmons. No, he's not filling that void. Not at all. But when you look at James Harden and what he can do and what he can do in place of Ben Simmons, it's actually a win because mm. James Harden worse stretch is still 20 points. And that's the best. Yeah, that's on the low game. end. That's on the low that's end. The yeah, yeah so you look at that, it's a long-term win because you look at the pick-and-roll game, mm-hmm. you look at the high pick-and-roll, the give-and-go, the outside two-man game that the Sixers can play. And looking at Embiid's age right now, him finally getting his act together with his health mm-hmm. and, and you know, taking his cardio and game serious, Embiid is not at a place either where starting over is advantageous. They're both kind of at a place in their life at this age where they kind of need to win. They're the they're the Rams of basketball. They're at mm. a place like we need to win and mm. we need to win now. Okay. And both of them are highly intelligent. And just from the interview that I saw, again, they look like they already mesh. And one thing that I can say that I've I've noticed about James Harden, if he's happy, mm. he's deadly. It's when he starts to get upset yeah, right. because things are not going right, right? right. Mm-hmm. So looking at him laugh with Embiid, mm-hmm. looking at the social media post that he put out saying, you know, I'm happy to be here. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing about the 76ers fans, I give them credit, even though people knock Philly, they really came to Ben Simmons' aid. Mm-hmm. They really catered to him and the mental part that they said, you know, that he was saying he was dealing with. Right. They really didn't go in on him until they, feel, they felt like he checked out. Mm-hmm. But one thing about the 76ers fan base, they are a rabid fan base. They're going to support you. They're going to cheer for you, and they're all in. And having Harden there, knowing what Harden can do, once he gets hot and gets going, and if we start seeing that chemistry click, they're going to have they're going to have the full support of the 76ers. And so I think it's a long-term deal. I think it's working out because now you got a happy Harden mm-hmm. and uh, – we know he can score and go unconscious. And I think Embiid is okay with that. I think Embiid is okay right. with giving him if he gets hot. Mm-hmm. And we know Embiid has an outside game as well. So right. uh, the, the idea he has a dominant post game and a pick and pop game, that's that's definitely works well with Harden um in his yep. game. And again, that that's talking it's kind of like what we talk about with the Bulls and how everybody on the team, nobody infringes on the other. You know, right. because I think that right. that was the issue with Ben and, and uh and, and Embiid's um, rift is that they infringe on each other's game because they both need to be around the basket. 
uh, to yeah. be largely effective. So that yeah. particular aspect of it was was definitely something that needed to uh, be dealt with, and they dealt with it in the matter of a trade. So I think that um, I think that you're right. I think there's one of those things where it it works it works well for each one in all parties involved. But again, I believe the 76ers short and long term won the trade. Um, and 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 I think this is an underreported aspect of this particular deal. Mm-hmm. Because we, you know, we're going back and forth about what the conversation would be if they trade for James Harden, right? right. They got away. I'm gonna say, I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, literally got away with not having to trade Tobias Harris, not right. having to trade Tyrese Maxey or yep. Thibel. They got away without mm. keeping all three of those people. They only had to yep. trade Steph Curry and uh, Simmons and draft right. picks, which they weren't going to use anyway. Because let's be real, when it comes to draft capital in, in, in NBA, unlike NFL first rounders. They're not mm-hmm. ready to go players, most likely. Most likely, they're two right. or three year projects. Like it's very seldom that you get a Lonzo Ball or Zion Williamson or John Morant True. within the one True. or two years they're ready to go. You know, most people will. You know, Cade Cunningham. I think he's going to and and uh, and Evan Mobley. I think those are the two people in the last four to five years, um, first rounders, lottery picks, mind you. You know, these right. top five players that literally were on the floor within the second year and playing heavy minutes. Mm-hmm. So, but yet again, you're not going to be able to grasp those particular players because they're not going to be available in the mid mid to lower rounds where these picks are going to land. Right. So, you know, that particular aspect of, again, I think we both are in this lockstep with the fact that they, that they truly are, um, they got a lot for uh, James Harden, but yet again, it's, it's still not going to give you the production right away. That right. is going to give you that that uh, that James Harden is going to give you the next two or three years, and and hell, mm. if, we, if if they play the cards right, it might end up giving the Philly a title, if you know, yes. if the things land right. So you know, if everybody, if everything, all things being equal, they they have just as good a shot as anybody coming out of the East with that team yeah. currently constructed, and Definitely. the 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 sugar on top of this of this whole entire Sunday is the fact that Doc Rivers is the coach. People are not reporting that either. Doc right. Rivers is coaching this team. So, you know, a, a NBA type championship coach, you know, former player, you know, man, you know, man amongst men, you know, that that can lead this team into the promised land. So, mm-hmm. again, I, again, I think that we all can, you know, lay it down on paper to say the 76ers came out rosy in this situation. And how it happened, the way it happened with Ben Simmons' antics and his character and James Harden's checking out and things of that nature, whether you can justify it or not. It happened, and I think I <laughs> think uh, this might end up in a deep playoff run for the for the 76ers. So we just have to wait and see. Without a doubt, without a doubt. Uh, yeah, hey man, we are gonna see. But I definitely, I definitely think we both in agreement that looking forward for the next three years, um, I think the 76ers is gonna definitely uh, show that they came out on the better end of the deal. Yeah, I definitely think that because again, you, you got a young Maxi, a young Thibault who are on rookie deals. You know, mm-hmm. Tobias Harris is on his his deal, so you basically got a a low key big three, and nobody's even even counting Tobias Harris in the equation where he can score right. twenty a night. So, right. you know, that I think that you know if you if you look at it, uh, and they play defense, that's another thing too. People are underreporting; they're a really good defensive team, even mm-hmm. without Ben Simmons. So, yeah. I mean, how they 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 went what, what are they, the two or three seed without Harden? So yep. you mean tell me that with Harden they're not going to extend? Yeah, that's highly doubtful. <laughs> highly doubtful. Exactly. Highly doubtful. So yeah, they are literally the three seed by two by two and a half games out of the one seed. So yeah. Yep. It is. There it is. There um, it is. That's our NBA segment, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, indeed. Uh, yes, indeed. So we are going to take a quick break. 
Yeah. Uh, run a quick ad and we'll be back with our NFL segment of reaction. Is Sports Talk with Coach Curry back in two and two. Lockdown Defense family, Coach Defense here, reminding you that the Lockdown Defense podcast comes to you each and every Tuesday at 10 a.m. on YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and also AHA Radio. And here lately, the YouTube page has been taken off, so if you subscribe to that, if you have not, turn your notification bells on so you never miss an upload to the channel. The Lockdown Defense podcast comes to you each and every week, breaking down the news and views of yours truly, giving you heavy-hitting content, educated opinions on the NFL, NBA, Lakers, and Chargers news as well, my home's base squads. So if you're looking for a one-stop shop for edgy, real opinions and news of the popular world of sports, look no further than the Lockdown Davis podcast. Also, if you're looking for me in between podcasts, follow me on any all of, any and all of my social media platforms. Uh, Lockdown Defense Sports for Instagram and Twitch. On Twitter, it's Lockdown Defense. And as I actually had a bonus, if you want to get in and get some questions answered in our mailbag, send me a DM on any of those platforms, or you can email me at LockdownDevensports at gmail.com. Uh, get those questions in anytime between now and Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time each and every week to be eligible to be on the show. The Lockdown Divas Podcast, once again, each and every uh, Tuesday, 10 a.m., on all platforms we get your podcast from. So please tune in, subscribe. And turn your notification bells on so you know exactly when we go live. Now back to the show. And we are back. We are back with our reactions uh, segment for the NFL and news and rumors. So the Super Bowl is coming on. So we have definitely ended the season on a high note. Uh, the Rams are the NFL champions in uh, dramatic fashion, to say the least. And um, so we're going to recap the Super Bowl real quick and, and give you our takes on what happened and uh, how we feel like the Super Bowl turned out and what we thought about the whole entire event as a whole. So, Coach Curry, uh, the Rams definitely came out victorious, but how do you feel uh, the Super Bowl landed for you and the way the Bengals played and the way the Rams played? And uh, how do you feel like those teams are going to uh, uh, end up going forward? Uh, so I definitely think it was a good Super Bowl. Okay. Um, well played. I I think the turning point for me was when Cincinnati had uh, two possessions of mm. 2013, and they didn't come away with a field a touchdown nor a field goal. Mm -hmm. Right. You could just see the tide of the game. Uh, start to shift and momentum, but that is what your defense is there for. Uh, the Rams defense stayed strong. What we talked about and what a lot of people said about the Bengals defensive uh, offensive line uh, we, uh, reared its ugly head because you could see that the Rams started to figure out something with what they could do with the offensive line against the offensive line of the Bengals. Um, Von Miller being willing to switch his normal position for Floyd mm. and on occasion go back to the left side. Mm -hmm. You can see it really caused issues with uh, against the Bengals. And again, with uh, o OBJ going out, 
and the Rams able to stay in the game, uh, it paid off. But again, what did I think? I think that this was a good game. I think the Bengals are in a great place. Uh, you basically had four out of five reserve offensive linemen playing in the Super Bowl. Mm. Um, mm. Offensively, though, oh, they're ready to go. Run it back again. Defensively, the Bengals' defense, so little be known, outside of defensive back play, and I'm talking about pretty much one that was barbecue chicken. Eli Apple. Uh, <laughs> Eli Apple. And, you know, I can't knock, I can't jump on him as mm. if he didn't win the game and play very strong against the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. He did. Right. He made it to the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. uh, but he was just going against another caliber. He was going to get against the Triple Crown winner. Um, and the only the, the one thing that I will say is that with the lack of a running game, mm -hmm. no OBJ, mm -hmm. no Tyler Higby. Right. No Robert I don't know Woods. What, no Robert, huh? Don't forget about Robert Woods. No Robert Woods. Right. No Robert Woods. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the Bengals defensive coordinator was doing mm -hmm. because at that moment you only really have one person which is Cooper Cup right and don't get me wrong Cooper Cup is a dog he's amazing right he's amazing he's amazing mm -hmm. people people I don't think people give Cooper Cup enough credit because I think if you're looking at him on TV you think he's probably like 5'10 mm -hmm. right Cooper Cup is 6'2 2'0 200 plus mm -hmm. he's a grown man yeah he he's a grown man right but i don't know what the coordinator did you're leaving eli apple on an island to cover mm -hmm. the, the the best statistically the best statistic wide receiver and a very good route runner mm -hmm. i would say he's top five when it comes to running routes right mm -hmm. he's no he's no mush carrots he's no mush he's no soggy mashed potatoes mm -hmm. the dude is a technician right but you put Eli Apple on an island. And then when Joe didn't have time, he couldn't get the pass. Uh, the offensive coordinator seems to change too because they stopped with the quick passes mm -hmm. and they started to make Joe hold the ball. And to me, when you know the offensive line cannot sustain and hold the defensive line at bay, and especially this defensive line and the number one defensive player in the NFL. When you when you're putting Joe Burrow in the bullseye, mm -hmm. you're setting him up for failure, right? And then here's my last thing, and I throw it to you. And no one's talked about this, and I'm still waiting to hear about it. What happened to Joe Mixon on the final drive? What happened to Joe Mixon? Period in the second half. Let's 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 start there. <laughs> let's start there. It's a lot to unpack. It really is. I mean, what I, happened to Joe Mixon? Because when <laughs> I went back, again, Aaron Donald is a dog. Don't get me wrong. Oh yeah, absolutely. P Ryan is two forty. He grabbed P Ryan like he was a five pound bag of potatoes. He did. He held him with one hand. He but did. here's my thing, Joe Bur uh, Joe Mixon to. To Samaje is is nights and night and day. It is. I mean, he's Why, way more shifty. He's way more shifty and elusive than 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 P. Ryan ever will be. And unless Joe Mixon was injured, I am still waiting to hear why Joe Mixon wasn't in the game on the final try. Well, you also got to look at it like this: P. Ryan was in on most third downs. He was the third down back for the most of the game. Period. And I'm still waiting to figure I, out. Why. I don't. I don't get that either because I feel like Joe Mixon is a better back out the backfield and better runner 
and you know holistically with this team than the P Ryan is. Now P Ryan has his uses. He has his uses. But I don't I don't think that P Ryan should have been the main guy. Uh, I'm I'm running I'm it's the last game of the season. I'm I'm riding uh you know pause, but I'm riding mixing to the wheels fall off. I really am. Hey, as they say, listen, you can rest in the offseason. Exactly. There is no one there is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. If you're uh, unless you got blood mm-hmm. or you physically cannot stand and walk, there you yo, go. I got I gotta, we gotta run. Go. We gotta, I gotta go. play. But to answer your question, I think it was a very good Super Bowl. It played out well. Mm-hmm. Um came down to like the last drives for both teams. Mm-hmm. I was really happy that it wasn't a game called by the refs, right? They let them truly they let them play. Right. I can't even get mad at the T Higgins play because that referee was in a position that he could have never saw that situation with T Higgins kind of grabbing Jalen mm-hmm. Ramsey's mm-hmm. face mask. Okay. Now I did see the last clip. I did watch the last clip. If Joe Burrow could have stayed upright, Jalen Ramsey had 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 fallen down. He did, and Chase was running up the sideline. He was free by himself. He was right, but it was a good Super Bowl. I was happy to watch it, watch the whole thing. Um, Happy to see the the halftime show. Mm -hmm. You know, I know people making fun of Fifty Cent, saying he looked like a whole dollar, but (laughs) hey, it was a. it was it was an overall good Super Bowl, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I'm ha- I'm happy that Aaron Donald got his Super Bowl. If he retires, I hope not. I hope not. But if he does, I will say this: them getting Von Miller really was a huge blessing because we got to see two dominant, dominant defensive linemen. And and we were able to see the greatness of Von Miller again because mm-hmm. he was basically unblockable. And we know what Aaron Donald is. There's one on one. I don't know if there's anybody that can truly block that man. I, but I if he walks away after old. this, listen, I, I've been happy to see it. But over to you. I know you're a defensive guy, and if you ever had an Aaron Donald, I don't know if you would ever go to sleep. I would. Um, well, no, I would sleep good at night because I know I know I'm good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> my, yeah. Oh, my I, I, I think you work. would just stay up because you would be dialing up all the exotic I would, plays. That I, would, you could. I would. Yeah. I would. Yeah. What was your What was your thoughts on the Super Bowl? Um, from well, first of all, Aaron Donald, you cannot retire. Listen to me, you cannot. <laughs> we're not done here. Okay, we're not done. Somebody with, get this to Aaron Donald count. Right. Somebody He's, get this to Aaron we're Donald not done. Count. You and Vaughn are not done. They're two <laughs> generational talents. As from a passionate perspective, we're not done yet. We need one more. I need at least right. I need at least one more season. Tom Brady while retired. I can't I can't take no more, you know, cultural <laughs> cultural differences in my football watch. I right. I got I gotta get used to Tom not playing. I can't get used to Aaron and Vaughn not playing either. I can't do that. Too much. Right. Too much. Can't do it. But regardless of that, um overall, I mean, from the Bengals perspective, I really think that um I think a little bit of inexperience um from a, a coaching perspective kind of got to them. I think okay. that was the biggest issue. And then because you have to understand that you know, if you go going into this game, you had to know that we have to keep this thing simple. We have to keep this thing short. We're not going to be able to get plays down the field like we're used to, accustomed to doing, because this pass rush is too good, and our O line is too okay. bad. Okay. <laughs> Their O line is awful. Their pass rush is too good. It's the best in the league. <laughs> we cannot afford to get Joe sacked constantly. You know, right. and, and I think they just kind of leans into the fact that he was making magic happen time and time again. Mm-hmm. As sooner or later that runs out, and it ran out. It does. It ran it out. Does. 
So because honestly, truly, like you alluded to, you said two drives. Now I can, I'm gonna go as far back as four drives, four five total drives to end the game that they didn't get no points off of. You know, mm-hmm. outside of that one big play mm-hmm. in the first half, at the first, beginning of the second half, they didn't get no outside in that in, a, in the field goal they got off a turnover. It's the only points right. they got in the second half. So right. that that let alone tells you that from a schematical standpoint, you didn't stick to your guns. When it came down okay. to one running the ball with Mixon, Mixon have seventy five yards and like thirteen carries. That's a right. hell of a good average. Why you, why don't you run Mixon more to keep you in short distance down? We could throw the short passes, right? True, true. So you true. You, you left you left that on the table, mm-hmm. you know, and you you left again. You just left it up to Joe to do too much, you know. And yeah. again, you, you're going against one of the best defenses, if not the total best defense in the entire league. Mm-hmm. So you can't you can't get away from your game plan. I can't think the big the magnitude of the Super Bowl really got to the office coordinator Zach Taylor to let them think that they were going to be able to do things that they normally have been doing in the entirety of the regular season. It just doesn't work that right. way, you right. know. Because again, this team is going to take away the, the best thing you do, and we're going to make you try to beat us a different way. Mm-hmm. And and again, if you you should have went back into your, your uh to the basics of running the ball. And, mm-hmm. and allowing for Joe to be able to throw four to five seven yard passes and move the chains, keep right. Stafford off the field and things of that nature. Because if you look at it like this, there was a momentum shift when OBJ went out. Yes, yes. When he went out, they yes. were kind of trying to figure out because they 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 took the same the Bengals took the same stance they took against the Chiefs that we're going to bracket and take away Tyreek Hill, we're going to mm-hmm. bracket take away Cooper Cup, and we're going to make their secondary receiver beat us. And yeah. in the Chiefs' case, it was a tight end, so they could literally you know kind of box in the tight end. But, you know, in this particular case, it was OBJ, but OBJ went out with ACL. So right. automatically, you don't have no other outside threat. So right. for, for the for the entirety of the second quarter and a little bit of the third, they were they were, they were were stymieing their offense as a whole. They couldn't run the ball at all. They were getting mm-hmm. one yard of carry. And, they, and they, they couldn't get the ball to Cooper Cup, who was the only weapon they had left. So right. they, were, they, were in, they, were in good, they were in a good place. Yes. But, but yet again, yes. you got to cash it in when, you, when, it's, when it's available to you. Joe yep. Burrow couldn't move the ball, get the ball down the field, and that's all they were trying. They weren't yep. trying to run the ball consistently. They weren't trying to throw the ball short. It was all trying mm-hmm. to be big player or nothing. Swing big, miss big, and I'm sorry. That's not the yep. way you win a Super Bowl. It's not. Yep. Risk it, biscuit. There you go. So yep. I think that's the biggest – That was. The, I feel like the Bengals lost it right there. I think they had a op- yep. prime opportunity to win the Super Bowl from that perspective. And, you know, and much like coaches that have been here before and are highly uh, intelligent when it comes down to uh, making adjustments, right? McVay made that adjustment. I'm going to go back to the point that you made in regards to uh, what they did with Cooper Cup. So when, when they, they lined him up traditionally outside um, in the second and third quarter, what they did in the mid-third mm-hmm. quarter and in, in early fourth, they moved him around. They put him in the yep. slot. They put him in the bunch formations where you couldn't double him. They put him in, yep. in, 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 in they motioned him a lot more. So they, went, they decided to move him around and you and you you put him into places where you couldn't bracket him, you couldn't double him, then that's where he get, made his money because one-on-one, there's not many people, if anybody, they can cover him one-on-one, especially yeah. with, with the way Stafford throws that football. So right. that's really where they, where they made their money at. And when they got into the red zone, it, there is no bracketing. There is no doubling. You just, you know, it's it's all or nothing because if the, if I can, if I'm allowed to from five yards in and run the ball, you got to load the box. So the leaves one on one coverage on the outside. While Cooper was able to score those touchdowns in the in the um, end zone in, in the back half of the uh, game, so I think that's where they really truly uh, got, you know, kind of gave them let the door open for the Rams since they to be able to figure it out, you know, because again they weren't getting anywhere offensively on the Bengals side. So you were giving the Rams chances and time to say, hey, well, let's get back into uh, what we can uh, do with Cooper and move him around and allow for him to be able to be, able to be targeted by Stafford. 
And that's what they did. You know, yeah. all the way down to that totally last did. drive when that no look pass. You see that no look pass he threw to Cooper? Oh, yeah. uh, it was ridiculous. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Yeah. I watched that clip like five times. I watched yeah. that clip like five times. Yeah, it was amazing. So, I mean, I guess Stafford yeah. is flowers. He definitely uh, went all in. I think they them acquiring Stafford, getting Vaughn, getting yep. OBJ. Um, yeah. and, uh, and, 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 you know, the couple with Aaron and Jalen was ultimately truly, um, the, the go all in method of winning the Super Bowl and then they cashed in for him. They cashed in for him. So yeah, again, I'm with you. It's a great Super Bowl. Um, yeah. but, but, but I'm concerned though. And this is, and this is a take I, I've, I've been, I've been maintaining about the Bengals and what kind of scares me a little bit is because Joe Burrow is, you know, I, and I said this, you know, in the beginning of the season that I think they missed on the idea of being able to draft the linemen to protect him. Um, I'm still on that bandwagon. I think Jamal Chase was a slam dunk pick. I think he was great for them. And I think that he's another right. dynamic weapon that is going to be good for them going forward. Right. But at some point, before it gets too late, you have to draft uh, several offensive linemen to protect Joe Burrow because we don't want another uh, RG3 uh, Andrew Luck or, you know, Alex Smith type of situation where he's hurt drastically before you can get anything, um, any, any amount of years out of him that you would normally get from a franchise quarterback. So, yeah, at some point, I think Joe, I think Joe Burrow is our new Andrew Luck. I hope not, because, I mean, Andrew Luck is retired at 30. You know, I mean, you got people. If it stays the same course, you look at the amount of hits, the mm. amount of pressures, and Joe Burrow's already had three major injuries. Exactly. His knee, mm. uh, the finger, and a shoulder issue. Mm. Uh, and it was, I don't know if, if your heart dropped, but when I saw him get tackled. Hold it up, yeah. His knee was hurt and then. he grabbed his knee immediately. Yes. he was hurt then. He was hurt. Yeah. They said if it was a regular season game, he wouldn't went back into the game. Only because it was a Super Bowl, he still played. So yeah, again, that's so, an, that's an indictment on your O line. You have yeah, they to. Got, they got to focus on. They got to fix gotta, it. But my problem make is that a primary focus. My problem is, and you asked Chad Ocho Single the same thing. The Bengals aren't known for getting things right when they need to get it right. So that's what concerns right. me about this. So this could be a one and done scenario for the Bengals as far as getting there. Yep. And I'm mean, who knows whether or not they're going to sustain the success. But they do got the quarterback right. But the yep. Colts, just much like the Colts had the quarterback right for years, but couldn't protect Andrew Luck to the end. And at that point, he was already too beat up to sustain yeah. his career. And you still miss out. Yeah. Still miss out. So, yeah. So that's that was, you know, that's pretty much our Super Bowl take in a nutshell. And I think we both believe it was there a great is. game. And uh, I think that yeah. we ultimately, uh, you know, pray for Joe Burrow's future. Um, and, and, uh, and the Rams, in my opinion, I think we heard some rumors that McVay is going to come back. He turned down mm-hmm. a lucrative TV deal to come back and coach. And so I think Aaron, deal. yeah, Aaron Vaughn and, uh, Sean McVay were all alluded to coming back. So they're going to run it back the way it is. So we'll see them back in full force in the, uh, in the coming, uh, coming months and see what they do in off season. But, um, I think yeah. that the way the team is currently constructed, they got just a chance any to uh, run it back. So we'll see how that folds out. Let's go. Let's go, man. Another right. season and another Super Bowl run. Uh, we might see it from the Rams. Uh, and hopefully that's not the last time we see the Bengals in a big game. We hope, but the front office gives me pause. Pause. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, and, and more news uh, coming out of the AFC this week. Uh, Brian Flores was offered an in, in separate position to work um, as a defensive assistant and linebackers coach for the Steelers. Um, and that's despite the fact that he's currently and actively suing NFL for uh, racial disparity in hiring practices um, holistically against the, I believe he sued the Dolphins, Giants, and the Broncos directly. 
um, yep. in regards to uh, his lawsuit. So we have now seen Brian Flores get hired uh, by the very team that were uh, the champions of the Rooney Rule. So mm-hmm. um, let me get your takes on how you feel about the Brian Flores hire and um, why do you think the Steelers uh, went all in on hiring him despite the lawsuit? Uh, I think it's masterful. You know, we talked about this offline. If anything, uh, if anything that it that if anything that makes me feel proud about this is that the team that instituted the Rooney Rule, and I know some people say the Rooney Rule is trash and all that, but if things were on the up and up, there wouldn't be a need for the Rooney Rule, right? right. And what they did with saying we're not just going to bring Mike Tomlin in just to appease the situation, but we want to give fair equity and opportunity for the best candidate, right? Mm-hmm. And so for it to be the Steelers, for it to be Mike Tomlin, and for him to have the backing to make this, this decision, again, if nobody else wants to give him a chance, Brian Flores is too good of a coach to be still out here, mm-hmm. uh, uh, unhired, waiting. Right. Right. Uh, let's let's avoid. And I think this is the foresight too of Brian Flores. Two things can be right. Mm-hmm. I can still sue mm-hmm. and get back into the NFL. And yes, I'm not a head coach, right? But I'm on a team that is going to give me an opportunity to continue building my resume, showing you the, 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 the type of coach that I am. Um, I'm going to be under a coach who hasn't had a losing season right. and he looks like me mm-hmm. and I don't, it's definitely not a handout, but it is one of those like, okay, if you can make a decision to give a, at a boy and a, Hey, let me, let me give you an opportunity then I'm going to do the same thing. And here's the thing about the Steelers. We've always known that regardless of anything, when it comes to the Steelers, their defense has been bread and butter. Oh yeah. We know what type of mindset and what Brian Flores brought to, uh, brought to the Miami defensively. Mm-hmm. And so to have him as a defensive assistant and a linebackers coach and to pair him with a a TJ Watt um, and what he can do, I think it's, I think it's a great look. Um, I think it's a great opportunity. And again, Brian Flores is too great of a coach to, to have been on the shelf and possibly look at, and that's one of the things that we talked about is now he going to ever get back at the NFL. Has he, has he shot his shot coaching mm-hmm. in the NFL mm-hmm. and Mike Tomlin said, Nope, come rock. And Brian Flores wasn't so my way or the highway. Mm-hmm. He was, he was like, okay, this is my best opportunity opportunity to be under a great leader and a part of a great organization. So let me take this. And oh. so I think it's a great look. Okay, um, I think I think it's an embarrassment of riches to have Flores on a uh, a defensive uh, side of the ball with Mike Tomlin pairing him with Mike Tomlin um, in order to uh, make this defense that much better. I think the right. the, the overall work and fit it was great. Um, I did I, funny we in the Bob Shop discussing this this morning about how uh, Mika Fitzpatrick's on his team. Um, you do, we do have to realize that he traded Mika Fitzpatrick to the Steelers uh, when yeah. he first got to Miami. 
So, you know, I think he did because Mika was uh, kind of, I guess you could say, kind of unhappy with the, his usage in, in Miami, the way uh, Flores was using him. So he wanted to be traded. So right. they're linked back up. So outside of that particular dynamic and them kind of mending fences with that, it's a great look. You know, and, right. I, and again, I, I don't, I've never had anything bad to say about the, the Runas and the Steelers. Um, uh, as a family and as an organization, they've always been a class act organization, never had anything bad to say about them. And they make, mm-hmm. they just added to that, uh, praise that I give them for being a class act, class A organization. But my, right. my issue is with this whole situation is the fact that why does the Steelers and the Rooney family always have to be the on, one and only team that's in, for its inclusion? Right. Why, why do they have to be the only teams that, team organization that's in, in, in for, Inclusion because you have they only have they're the one team in the whole entire league that has the one minority coach, one African American coach that has right. been that way for several years. Right. You know, he's one of the only he's one of the only coaches had any long tenure as a minority coach. Yeah. You know, and you got thirty one other teams that balked the idea of hiring Blowing Flores, and then you know going you know, we can get into the whole sham of interviews that he had in his past season after getting fired from the Dolphins, which was a farce right. in its own right. So. That particular part aspect of it bothers me. I just don't like the fact that that again, it always has to be one group. It's like it's like it's one charitable group out there that's always about inclusion. Everybody else is not. Everybody else is about the same status quo of you know the good old boy mentality. You mm-hmm. know, so that's that, that's what I, that my biggest problem I had with it. Now, from a bad football standpoint, psh, listen, I, I'm re- I'm ready to see what this defense can do. They between. Between Flores' ability to get the most out of his players and then both him and Tomlin's together's ability to to grasp personnel to fit their scheme, I have no issues with this defense being much better than last year. But right. my problem is, again, it's not even about the hire because, again, why does the one one team that created the Rooney Rule, which the Rooney Rule in itself is great, but mm-hmm. the, the execution of it is the part that is the issue. You know, because you because it's 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 great in if it works, but it just doesn't work because you they're not forced to have to do anything about it. They're just obligated to interview. They're not for, they're not obligated to hire. You know that that goes back to my whole argument about needing and wanting to have affirmative action in the league because mm-hmm. in telling you you have to have a certain percentage of minority hires in the front office and in the coaching staff from a head coaching perspective. You have that, and maybe that what comes out of this Flores lawsuit. But mm-hmm. until you have that, there's never going to be any parity. Yet, yet again, you leaving leaving up to the fact that only, the one and only organization out of 32 teams is going to ever be able to say that they were about inclusion is the Steelers. That's sad. That's sad. In in, in in all honesty, that's really sad. And and again, that's that's a really big indictment on what the uh, league is as a whole when it comes down to this whole issue of racial uh, disparity when it comes down to hiring practices. Yeah, especially in 2000. People like to say, especially in 2022, we're still here. Right. Yep, we're yeah. still here. We're still here. So, yeah, I think that's what's what, what, where it lands for me. I mean, I get, you know, it's it's definitely uh, something we didn't see coming because we pretty much wrote it off because, I mean, anybody that stands up against the NFL, you know, they pretty much are ostracized. Right. You know, so to see them still be able to, for him to still be able to get a job, it, it speaks volumes to how good of a man he is, how good of a coach mm-hmm. he is, and how well uh, the Rooney family, um, you know, how much they think of him in order to back yeah. Tomlin and give him this hire. So, you know, from a schematic standpoint, I love it. But it's just simple. Yeah. He should be hired on his own merit, not because he's he's an African-American uh, coach. So Facts. Facts. You know, and I wanted to tell you this. Did you know, I, didn't, I, I just found this out today. Did you know that, it, there's a clause in, in coaches' contracts that 
prevents them from suing the NFL if they're fired in order for them to get the rest of that guarantee money in their contract? Did you know that? So Flores, I didn't know that, and Flores clearly uh, didn't care about that clause. He didn't, he didn't, and he didn't sign it because because like, like so let's take get David Cully's situation. Like David Cully was owed like twenty million dollars in his deal, right? Right. So he had to sign an agreement to say that he would not retaliate in lawsuit or class action lawsuit against the NFL in order for him to retain his guarantee money. You basically forfeit or risk not getting paid the rest of your money if you're fired if you don't if you sign that clause. So Brian mm. Forrest had to decline that clause and he is not guaranteed to get his money from Stephen Ross and the Dolphins because he wanted to file that lawsuit. So that lets you know how deep this this lawsuit goes for him. That he he was willing to risk not only future employment but current money that he was owed in order to file this lawsuit. Love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Yep. So shout out to Brian Flores, man, and Mike Tomlin as well, as well as the Rooney family for, for doing the right thing. Yes. Yes. All right. So let's move on to uh the NFL offseason and what's next. I do a segment on my podcast a lot called What's Next. Um as the teams get eliminated from the playoffs, I do a what's next segment for them and what I feel like um, is, is going to be the next move they should make when it comes down to uh, uh, their future and, and the okay. next season upcoming. So um, overall, holistically, what I want to do here is uh, do a segment called What's Next for the Offseason. And, okay. and, and we're both going to share our biggest headlines or storylines going into the offseason and where it's, where it's going to matter and, and how the offseason plays out, basically. Okay. So um, you want to go first or shall I? You go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So all right, so I got I got four, maybe five. I'm, 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 I might save this fifth one, depending on how you feel about it. My first four, but okay. um, with you know much you know much as I am exhausted with this topic, I think that the biggest headline the storyline is going to be uh, talked about in the offseason here in short order is Aaron Rodgers' decision, because I feel like that's going to hold up a lot of works when it comes down to free agency and where things fall out. Okay. Um, when it comes down to his decision that he's going to stay in Green Bay, he's going to get traded, he's going to retire. What is he going to do? Because right. I think everybody's quarterback decision who needs one is going to be predicated on what Aaron does. Do I have a shot at getting him in trade? Do I not? Um, you know, so or do I need to go to option B because Aaron is not available? You know, I think right. those are those. What that chip has to fall before everything else does. Okay. Uh, number two is the Deshaun Watson lawsuit progression. I think that um, they the Texans finally want to move on from him. Um, mm-hmm. And I think a lot of teams are still willing to pay the compensation that they're asking. Uh, okay. But I think that some teams will re- like to see some progression or some resolution potentially to some of his issues before he gets uh, traded. Um, okay. You know, because I, I mean, we are at this point, it's we're about eight months from the season starting again. Right. So I want to say that um, about, about six months, about six months away from the season starting. So, that's a lot of time between then and now to have any progression done in his legal matters. So I think that they want to have some type of clarity on what they're going to look like from a quarterback perspective um, in March, in from, from March until September, um, how they want to, how they work, how it's going to land for them and whether or not he will be available will not, you know, those things will all play out in, in short order, whether or not he gets any type of clarity with his legal situation. Okay. Because I, I don't think, because I think that he could have got traded last year. Right. And he played the whole season because no nothing changed with his legal matters. But I don't think that's going to be the case this year. So right. it's, it's one of those things where you, you kind of want to see where it lands before I make the move and pull a trigger to trade for him. Mm-hmm. So that's another cog. And when it comes down to quarterbacks, that they want to see how that chip falls 
um, to decide whether or not they're going to trade for him and he's going to be their franchise quarterback going forward. Right. All right, number three is will the Niners trade Jimmy G? Because there's some reports oh. out there that Trey Lance may not may need another year to sit um, because, you know, he played limited college football in his last season. Um, mm-hmm. And we all know that Kyle Shanahan's system is complex. Mm-hmm. So they feel like they, you know, they may want to hold on to Jimmy G for his last year of his deal um, in order to uh, keep him in, I guess you can say, reserve in the event that Trey Lance isn't ready. So, will, okay. again, will that will that play out? Because they, when they came out at the end of the season saying that they were definitely going to trade him, uh, they kind of pulled back on that two weeks later saying that we don't know. So that's another uh, piece that needs to fall down um, as far as, well, will he be traded and when and where? Well, just, okay. you know, because there's still teams out there that need quarterbacks. You know, Steelers come to mind, Broncos, uh, Commanders, you know, they all mm-hmm. need quarterbacks. So will they take a flyer on Jimmy G and what the competition will be, will be ultimately the, uh, the side effect of whether or not Jim, Jimmy G will be an honor next year. Okay. And number four is will Devontae Adams take less money to stay with Aaron? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, mm-hmm. uh, I think that we all can understand at this particular point in time, based upon reports, that Aaron uh, is not going to um, back off too much in, far, in regards to conversation. Uh, it's, right. Even a report came out yesterday that he wanted to be the highest paid player in the league, uh-huh. which in, 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 in anybody's organization at this particular point in time, you can't fill a 53-man roster with you taking up $50 million and Devontae taking up 20. Right or maybe even thirty. I'm not sure exactly what price tag. Because I think uh, this. I think uh, I want to say D Hop is making anywhere with somewhere around twenty twenty five million. He wants to be paid more than him. So mm-hmm. you can't have seventy to eighty million dollars of your cap taken up by two players and expect True. to fill a good team. So True. somebody's gonna have to relent. And with Aaron already having a deal, and Devontae does not. If he wants to stay with Aaron, and Aaron stays where he's at, he's gonna have to take less money. So will he do that? Is the question. Right. All right. So those are my four. Right off. So, what do you got? Only to to add, I only have two other ones. Um, one of them, I don't know if this is a hot take mm-hmm. uh, or not, but I believe Jameis Winston goes to the Steelers. Really? Yeah. Really? I think I think when they look at quarterbacks, mm-hmm. um, outside of possibly drafting Kenny Pickett, okay. Uh, I do think I that's did, in play. I do think that's in play. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, like, I, I do. think that's in play because yeah. he's right there in Pittsburgh. Of right. course, mm-hmm. the Steelers go to the facility all the time to train. So you have mm-hmm. he's right in your backyard. You right. see what kind of player. You know he can play in the weather. So uh, it's a great fit. But it's a great fit. But to 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 give him a year, I think that the Steelers make a play for uh, Jameis Winston. My other hot take is. Or, you know, what's up next is when does Eric Bieniemy get a fair shake and what's going to be next with Bayern Leftwich? Ooh. Well, yeah. <laughs> I can answer that in short order. I really feel like I really feel like that the only way that Eric Bieniemy is going to get a coaching job is when Andy Reid retires. I think he's mm-hmm. going to convince the Hunt family to to make him his successor. Mm-hmm. His successor. So uh, and it's a it's an easy it's an easy uh, handoff, yeah. Because the system will everything will remain the same. Only thing that's going to be different is the person is uh, is the head coach in, in doing the press conferences. Yeah. So um, yeah. I think that's the only way that happens. And Brian Leverage's situation, I, I, honestly, true, I think he's in the same bag as Brian Flores because the way he got done in Jacksonville, 
Like literally, I'm and I, and I talked about this in length, and I'm and I'm gonna give it, bring it back in short order. That he walked into the Jags organization with the job in hand. The mm-hmm. only thing he wanted was to get rid of Trent Baalke, who has been a very problematic GM in the last two jobs he's had. Right. Everybody speaks uh, negatively that has worked with Trent Baalke in, in, in large. No, no one, I haven't heard a lot of people say anything good about Trent Baalke, right? Right. So so he wanted to change Trent Baalke uh, from a GM perspective and bring in Adrian Wilson, who's the assistant GM for the Cardinals right now, former player, mm-hmm. right? African-American man. So he wanted to bring his own GM, the same thing Brian Dayball did, the same thing um, Josh McDaniels did when they got their hired mm-hmm. coaching jobs, right? Same thing they did, brought their own GM with yep. them. He wanted to bring his own GM to the Jaguars. Mind you, Brian Leffridge is a former Jaguar quarterback. Let's, let's, not, let's not forget that, right? He wanted to bring him in, and uh, Shaq Khan and the organization of the Jags told him he could not do that, and we no longer were going to pursue you as the head coach because of that fact. Because you wanted to bring your own GM, mm. so that lets me lets me know that I think that he's ultimately, unless Bruce Arians does the same thing that that uh, Andy Reid has to do and hand the reins over to him in Tampa Bay and convince the organization to let him take the reins in Tampa Bay when Brian, when Arians is done, is the only way they're going to become head coaches. I hate to say that, mm. but I think that's going to be the truth when it comes down to that. Okay. And my last one, Carson Wentz is no longer the starting quarterback for the Colts. That's an interesting one. That's an interesting one because I really feel like that uh, the Indy might be making a mistake here in the short order because right. I think that they they truly need a number, a number one receiver. That's number mm-hmm. one. I think they do need that. And I do think they need to give Carson another year. Um, because ultimately, truly, this is not the time when you have a decent quarterback in house. This is not mm-hmm. the time to, to to try to make moves unless you have Aaron Rodgers or uh, a Deshaun Watson coming in. You know, right. because if you don't, you're taking a step back. The, yeah. the draft is not is not is not like it was last year where you don't have four or five good prospects. You don't. Right. Um. So, and the free agency market outside of the two guys that you have to trade for, it's 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 not a good look. So. Yeah. I think that's a. I think that's an impatient move by the Colts. I really do think it is. And I, I mean, outside of his last three or four games, I don't think Carson Wentz played bad. So yeah, I, I, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I just don't. I think that's an impulsive move by the Colts. So if they do do it, I really hope that they get a better option. Like you don't trade your current girlfriend when she didn't really do nothing wrong <laughs> for the uglier girl, you know, in the club because you're drunk. You right. tra- you got to trade it for the better girl. You right. know, you don't trade it. You trade it for the ugly girl in the club because she because <laughs> she throw it back on, on the dance floor. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You just don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. you gotta you gotta yeah. gotta gotta come with gotta go to gotta leave home with what you came with. There you go. You there know? you go. But yeah, that's that's my that's my uh that's my takes on that. And uh I'm interested to hear this number five that you have. <laughs> now number five is does Tom Brady come back and play this year? If Jimmy G gets traded, yes. Oh, okay. I, I I didn't even see. I didn't even drop the forty nine bomb in there because I was going to start with that. I said, "Does the whole the whole take was I got it written down? The whole take was does Tom Brady come back and play for the Niners next, this year? That was the whole take. But I ain't dropped the forty nine thing on it to see what you would say, and you dropped yeah. it. So if he gets yeah. traded, you saying that he's a the Tom Brady is essentially uh uh the the quarterback until he's ready to re- go and get Trey Lance ready. That's basically what you're saying. And yeah. it does, it's not that punitive on that cap because, you know, Tom Brady will take any amount of money that you want him to take 
when it comes down right. to contracts. So it's not like he would demand top dollar because Jimmy G's making around twenty some million dollars. So you're gonna free that money up. Trey Lance is making a rookie deal, so you can afford it. You can afford it. So that's yep. that, that's a good one. So, yep. but you look at it like this: if the Niners know that, if they know that Tom wants to play, you trade Jimmy. <laughs> Let's be real. You trade him wherever you, because I mean, you don't have no issues at that point, right? You don't have any issues because because clearly, clearly the uh, the, the Tom come in is going to make you a contender right off, right? You know, so and you can take it you can take at least a year or two to get trade to the point where you realize he he can take over, right? That's yep. the perfect bridge. I, I don't want to call Tom Brady a bridge quarterback because he's the greatest quarterback of all time. I don't call him that. Yeah. But he's yeah. definitely going to be there enough for you to be able to feel comfortable that Trey Lance is going to be your guy. Yep. That's a good one. I like it. I like it. I like it. All right. Well, <laughs> you heard it here first. If it happens, it happens. <laughs> it's two things yeah, that need to is. go down. The, the NBA needs to give us our money for those royalties if they drop that idea. <laughs> and if Tom Brady comes back and plays for the Niners this year, you heard it here first. There it is. There you it is. Right here. So, so put some respect on our name. Indeed. And we need our Rosies. Lockdown Divas Podcast needs our, needs our severance checks ASAP. Our stimulus bonuses <laughs> right. need to be in our bank accounts on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Awesome. All right. We want to take a quick break and we'll be back for our last segment. I got questions in the Lockdown Divas Blitz. Be back in two and two. Just here so I don't get fined. So, my lockdown defense goons Checks and goblins, ASAP. Coach Defense here. Wanted to remind you that our weekly debate show, Sports Talk with Coach and Kirk, broadcasts live each and every Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and is simulcast on Twitch and YouTube. We bring you chase down blocks and de cleaning content each and every Saturday. And so, I'm here to tell you keep your head on the swivel because you never know exactly what Coach Kirk and I will say next. Each and every week, we break down hot topics of the NFL and NBA of the week in the world of sports. And if you haven't seen the show by now, it, one ad can honestly truly not do it justice. So it'll be your best interest. It'll be your best interest to tune in live or on replay each and every week for authentic, honest, and real opinion that goes on in the sports world. And we might have the Rose Light Co- Light Skin Coalition uh, week to week for being extra. So the show goes live each and every week on YouTube and Twitch. Search Lockdown Davis Podcast on YouTube. And follow us on twitch.tv forward slash Lockdown Divas Sports. Live and direct each and every Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Subscribe to all our platforms. Turn your notification bells on. And if you missed any part of the show, the replay goes live on all platforms at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on uh, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. So check us, there, check us out there. And as next, I had a bonus. If you want to get featured as a mailbag question on the show live, Email us at LockdownDefenseSports at gmail.com or DM me on Twitter at LockdownDefense. Uh, for all questions, must be submitted by Saturday at 5 o'clock for a chance to be on the show each week. As over always, Sports Talk with Coach and Kurt, each and every Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, dual cast on Twitch and YouTube. Coach Kurt and I are just here so we don't get banned. Now back to the show. All right, we are back. We are back for our segment. We got questions. And we got one particular question to ask this week. And uh, did the Super Bowl MVP go to the right person? 
So I'm gonna lead. I'm gonna start it off with with you, and and you tell me exactly. Did Cooper Cup be, was he the right guy for for the Super Bowl MVP, or should have gone to Matt Stafford? Should have gone to Aaron Donald? Who do you think it should it should have gone to? I'm gonna say it went to the right person, considering considering the status of the offense at that time, mm-hmm. right? Um, I definitely see, I definitely believe it could have went to Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. It, it, without a doubt, that would have been the only other person that I would have seen that it go. It, it should have gone to, mm-hmm. not Matthew Stafford. He didn't do anything overwhelming. He didn't do anything that left you, you know, one of a kind or the best in the moment. Um, without Cooper Cup, things don't go the way they do. And he made the biggest play um, to help them win, right? Because without that catch, that touchdown catch, and considering that the last couple plays of the offense, it was going to Cooper Cup. You knew who it was going to, and they couldn't stop him. Um, With OBJ going out and knowing that basically it was Jefferson and him, Mm -hmm. uh, I do see, I think it was eight catches, 94 yards, something like that, two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it went to the right person, all things considered. But uh, there was a part of me that was like, ooh, defensively, Aaron Donald, two sacks at the end of the game, pressures. Um, but offensively, I understand it because offensively, the Bengals did do okay blocking him, scheming him out of – uh, his dominance early on. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, to say to say, I think it went to the right person. All things considered, would I've loved to see personally it go to Aaron Donald one hundred percent, but I, I can't say that going to Cooper Cup was a, a bad decision or incorrect decision. Okay, um, yeah, I think you know some people argue that you know you need a mass staff to make the throws in order for Cooper Cup to catch the balls, but you know that 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 you know you, you make that debate for argument for another day. Uh, I do think it went to the right person. I think he was the most effective person on offense. And I think mostly, you know, I think, you know, 90% of the time this warder will go to uh, an offensive player anyway, quarterback, wide receiver, running back, depending on who's ever had a dominant performance that led to them to winning. Um, right. You know, most of the time it goes to the quarterback, but in this sense that if, if the wide receiver just, you know, he made a lot of plays after the catch or, you know, things of that nature. Well, a lot of what Cooper Cup did, a lot of, you know, his ability to get open, you know, despite, you know, triple coverage in certain regards, you know, you mm-hmm. have to give you have to give kudos. I mean, it's definitely nothing you could take away from his performance. He definitely showed you exactly why he was a triple crown winner. Yep. You know, yep. Um, only thing I would like to see from the, from nostalgia perspective, at least make it a co-MVP, you know, give it to Aaron mm-hmm. and, and Cooper, you know, that, definitely that would have deserving. Definitely, definitely deserving. Definitely would like to have seen that or just all of this award, a defense award, defense MVP, office MVP, you know, split yep. it out. And um, but they both get a trophy. I'd have like to see that yep. too. You know, because I think Aaron's performance, and especially in the second half, was completely and utterly dominant. Um, and I think that I get, kudos Raheem Morris for scheming up. And this is, you know, of course, you know, I get excited when I hear about these things, you know, see these things that, you know, scheming uh, up, uh, you know, the, 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 the give Vaughn give Von ability and Aaron ability to be able to be singled up and get pressure. You know, because right. when they were traditionally rushing their standard four and rushing their standard line, and you have Vaughn on one side, Aaron on another, you know, they were able to double team Aaron and kind of push Vaughn, you know, around Joe. 
But mm-hmm. when they lined up, both of them on the same side, or they did a T stunt with either one of them, or they kind of, you know, you know, kind of decoy Leonard Floyd before he got hurt and allowed Aaron to get those one on ones, allowed Vaughn to get those one on ones, and guess what? It was the big, it was a matchup problem, and you can't block neither one of them one on one. We just know, we right. know this, we know right. this. So the, the, the scheming over from the from the, from the you know from the analytical standpoint just made me happy because I just see that you know you just didn't line up and do the same thing all game expected to work. You know, right. you realize that I got to free these boys up some kind of way and get pressure to him some kind of way because the way we're working and they they literally practice and they literally came into the game saying that if they come at us with this look, they're not going to get home because we're going to do this and do that. So right. when he, when they realized that that wasn't working, they went to something else and they made an in-game adjustment and that's what ultimately got them uh, that performance that they had in the second half. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, truly, I think that it could have, you know, it could have gone either way. Um, right. But definitely kudos to Cooper Cup for you know for performance he had, and without that, they don't win the game. Point yeah. blank period. Yeah. So yeah, it is. Yeah. So for our last uh, segment, lockdown defense blitz, we're gonna give a hot take. So if we all things remain equal, right in here, right now on Saturday, <laughs> first Saturday after the All Star break, who, if you had to say right now, money on the line, who makes who makes it, not win it, but who makes it to the NBA Finals? All things considered right now between the Eastern and the Western yeah. Conference. Mm-hmm. Who makes it? Miami Heat. Ooh. Oh, Miami Heat and right now. Right now. Right with, now. With the current rosters right now. and everything the way they are right now. Right now. Philadelphia 76ers. No, no, NBA Finals. The Heat and the Sixers came, both can't make it. Oh, they're in the same division? Yeah, they're same conference. Okay, uh, Miami Heat uh-huh. and Golden Oh, so is Drake – so you said current roster right now. With okay, like I, 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 make it, I make it better for you. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's healthy. Oh, then Miami, Miami Heat and Phoenix Suns. Okay, okay. Okay, I'm gonna go Milwaukee Bucks and Golden State Warriors. Mm, I like where you went there. I like where you, I like where you went there. Uh-huh. I was gonna go Golden State, but the way Phoenix is playing uh-huh. and Chris Paul being back healthy and the way they was playing with Chris Paul, so that's why I went with. I wanted to go Golden State, mm-hmm. but I was like, ooh, Phoenix, the way they playing, so. Yeah, and, I, I, and I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell you why because if I, if I because it, it could change based upon the different, different criteria. As it stands now, Phoenix has a slight edge with no Draymond, but right, yet you stand the test of getting CP3 back on one end, but on the Warriors end, you get Draymond and James Wiseman back, mm. fully healthy. James mm. Wiseman is probably like a week or two away from coming back, and Draymond's three weeks away. So by the time okay. the playoffs start, this team is fully healthy. So Draymond, James Wiseman, along with Steph, Clay, Poole. Peyton, Kaminga. Well, I mean, I can go down the whole roster, but yes. that seems right there to me with the championship pedigree that already has, the coach they already have. I think, I think that the the Warriors end up in the finals, in my opinion. And I, and okay. again, Ric Flair all day, be the man, they got to beat the man. And right now, yeah, Giannis and in, in, in Brook Lopez healthy. I like their chances. So, yeah, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get a bucks a nod in the uh, facing the Warriors in the in the, in the NBA finals. Mm. 
Damn you, but good takes. Good takes. <laughs> I can't even argue it. Hey, I can't, listen, can't even argue I don't, it. I don't go. dislike the heat pick. I, I don't dislike the heat pick. I think the heat pick is a good pick. I think it's, it's sneaky. It's a sneaky yeah. good pick. It, it, I mean, if you're right, I'll give, give you your flowers because it's, <laughs> I, I, I like, I love Jimmy Butler. I love at Bam out of Bayou. Um, yeah. And the Madden Kyle Lowry. And they go, they're going to make, they're likely going to give Victor Oladipo back here in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So that's an added mm-hmm. piece. So that's, I mean, it's not to say Tyler Hero's playing well. He's a new daddy, yeah. got an Instagram model for a girlfriend. He's doing well for himself. So, yeah. you know, I, it's not a bad take. I don't think that Miami's not going to, they're not going to be easy out regardless. Right. And and I, and I was saying here now, and I'm going I'm to leave, I'm going to drop the mic on it. Watch out for the Boston Celtics. And I'm going to leave hey. it at that. I'm going to leave it at that. right there with that. that there yeah. it is. There it is. All right, so that's going to wrap up our show for this week. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us and listening to us on live stream and on the replay. Replay goes live each and every Monday at 9 p.m. on all platforms. If you want to watch it on YouTube after the show, you can at any point in time because this live stream is right available on that channel right there for you. But in the meantime, in between time, until next week, Saturday, each and every Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Twitch.tv forward slash Lockdown Davis Sports and on YouTube, Lockdown Davis Podcast. I am Coach Davis. That's Coach Curry. Until next week, we'll see you when we see you. Step up and lock it down.